It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. It's Saturday lunchtime, which means it's crunch time on SEN. Yeah, it is a Saturday afternoon. It is crunch time. It's all thanks to Isuzu and Red Rooster, new spicy wings. Feel the peppery tingle. I have felt the peppery tingle. It's quite good. I like the peppery tingle. Limited time, so get in fast. The Rooster is calling a big welcome to the listeners across the SEN network, including... Uh, 10.53am SEN Track Brisbane. Nick Davis is going to eat my sausage roll. Leave it alone, Davis. It's half eaten too, by the way. Like, it's just ridiculous. 16.20am SEN up there on the Gold Coast, as well as all the listeners on the SEN app and the SEN pod- podcast. We've got an SEN podcast now. Crunch time, I tell you what. Uber producer Brooksy. Uber producer Brooksy has done it again. If you're the Uber producer Brooksy, what you do is if, you, if you're down a couple of men, you draft in the whoever you can from the existing stable. So that's where I come into play. Hello, Jimmy Smith here on a Saturday afternoon. But if you're the Uber producer, you go straight to the top of the pile. And the top of the pile for us is Dean Witters, the great former rooster, former eel, former Castleford Tiger, and, of course, the former Rabbitoh. And now current Rabbitohs women's coach. It's great to have him here on a Saturday afternoon. G'day, Dino. Hey mate, uh, fantastic to be here in a great week, Indigenous round, to talk about some footy and, and share some memories, I suppose, from the past and just have a yarn. I'm looking forward to it. Hey, a little birdie told me that you actually go right on the yarn too. And I don't want to say what his name is, but I tell you what, he's um, one of Parramatta's finest and he was in last night. So uh, there's a clue for you. So what's tell us what you're up to now. Besides, of course, it's almost a full-time job, isn't it, looking after Katie Brown at the... Just, South Sydney women's Yeah, game. a lot of hair pulled out. Um, <laughs> you know, a lot of stressful moments with her. She's 100 miles an hour. So um, yeah, I think you, you get that example of her on radio. She's oh, full yeah. of energy, great personality, positive person. Um, and in rugby league, she's in a rush to learn it all a 1,000 miles an hour. And her patience isn't there. But um, I'm, I'm working at the NRL. I'm pathways manager over there. So I work pre- predominantly in the female pathway space. Massive challenge this year with the with the predicted growth of the NRLW um, to develop probably up to a hundred female players to to be on that stage by the end of this season. So, um, op- fantastic opportunity, you know. And you see the rise of of the women's game and the young athletes that are coming into the game in the female space. It's it's amazing. It's an exciting place to work, and and that's what I do during the week. What's that look like? So we're going from first three years we've had four teams in there, and I, I guess it's a little bit of Okay, you don't want to be ungrateful, but it's a little unsatisfying. We have the AFL sort of put a little bit of pressure on and say, hey, we're going to have 18 teams uh, in a couple of years' time. But uh, what's going to be the plan for the end of this year? Have we got confirmation around that, Dino? Not confirmation yet. And I I think the NRL's got to be commended on the the patience they've shown with it. We weren't ready to go more than four teams, you know. We were were a game that's developing. Our pathway wasn't clear. Right. Um, We didn't have a, a real elite sort of system at that time. 
Um, and we were relying on, on, on girls to, to still sacrifice a lot to play at that level. So we had to build it slowly, and I think it's, it's been a great progression. This week's going to be this year's going to be a massive challenge if it does go up to six teams, as everyone's predicting. Yeah. So, But I think we're ready for it, and there's some fantastic athletes out there playing our game now, and the professionalism that they show, and if we can showcase that on the, on the bigger stage this year, Jesus is going to do a lot to boost our numbers in the junior grade and, and across in other states where, where we're not strong yet. I think our women's rugby league could be the key to getting South Australia, Victoria yes. and, and some of these places. As a casual observer, and I, you know, I've called a few of the NRLW games and, and there was only those four sides, there was quality. So every player didn't look out. There was not one player that looked out of place. And yet if I watched a bit of AFLW, I looked at that when they had the 12 teams, I think it was, or 10 or 12 teams when they first came in, and I thought, oh, some girls here aren't quite up to it. So it took away from the product a little bit. That wasn't the case with NRLW. Um, And when you watch the Australian women's sevens team that, of course, famously won the gold medal at Rio, you just thought, wow, skill set is unbelievable. But as has been explained to me, part of that is because they were there in a professional sense for an extended period leading up to that, which is what you're getting at with more and more girls coming into the the pathway for the NRLW and therefore getting themselves up physically and mentally to be able to compete at that level. Yeah, well, when we first started that, we would have had a lot of girls playing that would have stopped playing rugby league at 12 years of age and then hadn't taken the game up again until they are 18. So they had a six-year gap. Now what we're seeing is with our, you know, our competitions that exist for New South Wales Rugby League for females all the way through to, the, to their senior football, but also the Tasha Gale competition, particularly here in New South Wales, the Lisa Fiola, where you have our Pathways clubs playing at our NRL clubs putting teams in. The development of our young players now is fantastic. So mm. the young girls that you're seeing come through and that you'll get a glimpse of this year that have been part of that system they're tremendous young rugby league players. And they're, they're, it's exciting to think what we're going to develop in the next 10 years. And I'm looking forward to the thing I look forward to most is we'll start to poach some of those rugby union players yes. back, the AFLW players. We'll start to get them interested because I was at the national championships recently where Victoria and South Australia did some of that stuff. They poached okay. girls. And, and in the WA team that won the national champs, they poached some girls from um, the Western Force. And you can see they love rugby league and they're really keen on the growth of our game and where it's all headed. So some real opportunities for females who are passionate about their sports. Rugby league could be the, the key for their career pathway in the next few years. Well, I know Charlotte Caslick, who's almost the poster girl for the rugby union. She, of course, played last year in the NRLW. I think she picked up an injury, didn't she, first game yep. for, for the Roosters. But one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. if you want to give us a call on that, 0457-736-736. Round 12 of the National Rugby League, Indigenous round. Dino, I know I spoke to you on Thursday, new audience today. Uh, so... What does it mean for you to Indigenous round as a, as a proud Indigenous man? Uh, a few different things, I suppose. I think, one, I'm really proud of what the game does for Indigenous communities, you know. it's And I'm not, I'm talking everyone there, you know, the, the non-Indigenous coaches that I grew up with that put so much into to my development and, and helping us young Aboriginal boys back home in Armidale. Like, I think it's a recognition of what the game does for our communities. Yeah. I think it's also a recognition of, you know, the impact that our players have had at the top level and yes. and what they what the excitement they bring to rugby league. And you certainly see a lot of that highlighted this week. The past players, you know, that that brought that X factor and that magic to the game. I think we, we see a lot of that. And then then also an opportunity for us all to to highlight um, the issues that are in the Indigenous community and, and places where I suppose as a country we can get better. We can look at those things and, and through rugby league we've always had that platform to speak. 
And it's great this week that, you know, a lot of the clubs are going out of their way to highlight that to their fans. Um, and everyone looks at it and goes, well, how can we help? And yeah. how can we grow? And how can we be better? Yeah. Pass back, move forward. That's the theme from last year. It's been extended this year by the National Rugby League. Um, can uh, We had Steve Renoff during the week, and he, he wrote on NRL.com about why he thought there's a massive over-representation of Indigenous players in, in the National Rugby League. It's actually the same in the AFL as well. He gave his thoughts on why. Do you have a, do you have a theory as to why there isn't a, an over-representation of Indigenous players? Yeah, well, I suppose we come with that athleticism straight away yeah. because um, it's, in, it's in our genes, it's in our bloodlines because our, our people, hunter-gatherers, you know, they're out there and they'd have to anticipate movements of animals and, yeah. and know how to seek out the, an opportunity and, and look for, and also then be able to, you know, chase a kangaroo around and stuff like that. It would take a fair <laughs> bit of athleticism. So yeah. that sort of stuff came... Um, uh, from our traditional uh, bloodlines. Yeah. But also think, you know, rugby league came along to our communities when our communities were probably at their weakest point over the last couple of hundred years, you know, and, and now it, it gave our, our people something to, to cling to in this modern world and um, our people came together to play the sport after sort of their traditional lives had been taken away. Yeah. So they had that passion for the game and the game saw the game as a real outlet from a long time ago, so and that still exists. You know, our people use the game as a way of pulling themselves together in communities, but also a way of standing up for themselves. So, uh, I think we've just got that real love affair with rugby league in, in our Aboriginal community. Is there anyone in particular? I know you tell a great yarn about um, how you were signed at the Roosters, and you might want to repeat that for our listeners today. But um, is there anyone in particular as you were coming through as a, as a young player that you looked up to? Um, you know, I I, uh, I loved uh, watching Cliffy Lyons as a kid. I was a Manly fan, and, and Cliffy Lyons was like God, you know, and yeah. he was just an amazing player. Um, some of the players that I, I looked up to was Andrew Walker at the at the Roosters when yeah. we were coming through. Yeah. Remember those good old days? And, uh, you know, Unc was just super freakishly talented and did everything so calmly, but also had that confidence, you know, that that, that our people could belong at that level. Because I came down as a, a young kid and I felt intimidated from the moment I got arrived at the Roosters. I, I, I didn't know whether so I'd how ever old, make it. What year was that? How old were you? I was 17. So I was, I was 17 when I came down. I was in my fi- just about to start my final year of school. Right. Yeah, so I came down to the Roosters and it was just, you know, I'd always wanted to be an NRL player, but when I got there and I saw you know, how fit and big and strong everyone was and how good they were. I, I really lacked a little bit of belief that, oh, geez, I don't know if I'm going to make it. But Andrew Walker sort of took it all in his stride. And yeah. for him, it was playing games, you know. He was having yeah. fun at training and all that sort of stuff. And he, it was just being himself. So I thought he gave me a little bit of that belief that, you know, maybe I can make it there one day. He was playing as a 17-year-old in the Galloping Greens team, the Randwick side of the late 80s. He was 17 years of age. Lloyd Walker was an Australian representative he was he was probably more of a 58 but he got pushed to inside center because Andrew Walker was there the 17 year old Simon Poitivan Michael Checker David Campisi all these guys in the, and here's this 17 year old pulling the strings as the 58 what about your recruitment to the Roosters tell us how that came about yeah so big Artie beats and so I, uh, I, I had a few clubs sort of trying to sign me from the country and um, Artie Beetson made the trip up to Armadale and he drove up there and he came up there and had dinner with my, with my dad and my mum and I just the words were from my dad, you know, if, I, if it's good enough for Artie Beetson to drive all the way to Armadale and come and have dinner in our house, well, you're going to be going to the Roosters. And, um, you know, the best thing I could have ever done in my life because Artie Beetson was just, he's, he's something else for all footballers. Yeah. And particularly for us in the Indigenous space, um, 
there wasn't anyone better. And to come down, and I got the opportunity to live with Artie. We, we shared oh, wow. a fair few uh, T-bone steaks, mate, I tell you. <laughs> First night in, he cooked four, four T-bones. I thought people were coming over for dinner. <laughs> it was only two each for me and him, and they were massive. And a little bowl of salad, and he said, put some salad on your plate too, but there was no room for salad on, on, on those plates. But, yeah, I loved it. You know, just any time I got to spend with Artie, um, I made sure I soaked it all up when I was a young fella, and, and I loved it. And uh, you know, we all miss him. You know, we all miss him. This this time of year is particularly when you when you really do miss him a lot. Yeah, he's such a special person. I, I had the great fortune of being coached by Artie for a little while, uh, and and he was uh, just a charismatic figure. Peter Sterling tells a story in his book that was written 30 years ago. But when Arthur went to Parramatta, you know, he was this giant of a figure, and 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 everyone was just drawn to him and. Um, Sterlo would play him in squash, and <laughs> he's a, and Arthur would absolutely towel him up because he, he's control of the ball and just just moving him around the court couldn't get past him. Yeah, guns squash player, Gun and he used to player. play play all over the eastern suburbs and a bit of a champion, Artie. But yeah, uh, yeah he was a, he was an amazing person. Yeah, my favourite. Well, Johnny Peard and he, of course, spent years and years play, um, calling the game for the ABC, uh, which I think. For a lot of people growing up as kids, and certainly for me, that was a staple of a Saturday afternoon, 3 o'clock, yeah. Warren Boland calling play-by-play play, and Arthur Beetson sitting next to him and Johnny Peard on the sideline. So um, that that's what I grew up with. And, and they, of course, were great mates and played in those great Roosters sides uh, of the 74-75. But um, Johnny Peard tells – I know it's very much tongue-in-cheek, but he tells a yarn. They spent so many – Hours just driving, you know, mm. driving up to Armadale to recruit young Dean Witters and, and all around the state to spread the word of rugby league. And they were in the car one day and, and Peardy said, uh, you know, what, what would you do if you, what would you do if you, uh, you were told you were, um, you know, it was all about to end uh, and, and you only had 30 minutes, 30 minutes left on the planet. What, what would you do? And, and Arthur said, I'd make love to the first thing that moved. Right, and he said, oh, "Okay, what would you do, John?" Arthur asked him. He said, "Well, I wouldn't move for thirty minutes." <laughs> <laughs> they were funny too, weren't they? Oh, Johnny they had Peard. a great one too. And it's 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 something I suppose the the young people of today's rugby league they miss out on on the characters that were around back in those days. You, you know, the Artie Beatsons, the Johnny Peards. I remember Steve Edge out at Parramatta. He was yeah. a funny man, and you just, they could entertain you. They could get up and grab a microphone and, and keep you entertained for hours. Them guys. You might be able to tell us how's it changed. You were down here in the late nineties, and now you're coaching you're in the system. I know you're in the women's system, but obviously there's parallels around that. And you've you've been around the the men's game as well. How how has the game changed? I haven't been around it for so long. Yeah, I think the scrutiny on the players. It's it's the biggest thing, um, uh, and the. The standards that we hold these players to now in all, all their behaviour, which which a lot of it is rightly so, yeah. but also just in their personalities, I think people are so quick to judge people and um, the fun part of it is, is something that's probably missing a little bit. It, it is so serious now that they don't get to have the fun that we did back in those days. And, uh, um, you know, it's, it's part of, I think, professionalism and part of modern day sport it's so competitive now for all sorts of sports to compete for sponsorship dollars for fans for participation numbers for young kids coming through that yeah um we've got to hold high standards on everything with our players and um sadly that sees you know things like players um the funny side of them and and, and some of that sometimes that's that's what we, we've got to, the price we've got to pay is it fair or it just is I think it just is, mate. It's, yeah. it's it's not fair. And we talk to players about this all the time. I know yeah. I talk to a lot of the young Indigenous boys 
Um, you can talk about whether it's fair or not all day, but it's reality. And that's what the expectations are out there. Um, and we, we represent more than just a footballer and more than just someone playing a game. Um, those jerseys and the NRL emblem and, and the opportunity we get to influence kids, it's a, it's a high responsibility. And um, unfortunately for some players, they didn't, they didn't really want to buy into that. They just wanted to play the game. Yeah. But our game's more than that. We always say the game's more than that and the players have got to understand it. And, and right or wrong, it's, it's just the way it is. Yeah, big show today, big show today. And, of course, uh, you can have your say, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. 1170 You can get us on the text line as well, 0457-736-736. We might ask favourite Indigenous players, favourite Indigenous players. Favourite, uh, well, so obviously uh, Cliffy, Cliffy. Was, Cliffy was one of the one of the main ones growing up. Um, I love Greg Inglis. When Greg Inglis first started coming through, I was just amazed. Did you, you didn't play with you. Oh, yeah, I played against him. Pl- he, le- he left his handprint on my chest a few <laughs> times, I tell you. <laughs> Debut games, both times. I played him in a, the first time he ever played in a trial for the Storm. Yeah, and he and he, he palmed about three of us off to score a try, and then his actual debut game was against us at Para Two, Melbourne versus Para, and he um, and he did some damage in that game too. So I knew all about him earlier. So, uh, but he was just fantastic to watch. I don't think we will we'll ever see someone like that for a long time. He uh, was such a mix of power and athleticism. It was unfair. Was yeah, that's what yeah. I have to say. It was, yeah, it was yeah. unfair <laughs> to, that, that a guy could run out and he'd be bigger and stronger than the front rowers. Yeah. Faster than the wingers. Yeah. And then just have this a confidence and ability to be able to just time it all and 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 explode when he wanted to. And I, I never saw Mal Meninga on a football field, you know, opposite yes. him. But they, you know, we obviously seen him on television, and he had that same sort of presence and aura. And I'd say Greg Inglis is probably closest thing that I've seen to someone who just like that. If when if he wanted to, he could just do things that other players on the field could not do. Yeah. Yeah. I've got to say, for me, Laurie Daly. So Laurie Daly was from Juni. I was from Cootamundra. He was a couple of years above us. And and every year from the under-7s to the under-15s, Juni Diesels played the Cootamundra Bulldogs in that, in Laurie Daly's age group grand final. And every year, Juni won. He he was just unstoppable, wasn't he? He he had it all, Laurie Daly. He was just timing, speed, you know, ability to ball play. And then they put him in a bloody great team like the Raiders yeah. back then. And I, I just, it was a great career to watch Laurie. And the best thing I think what I used to love about Laurie was when he would take on Mal in origin every year. And the two captains from the same team. And, um, you know, and remember Loz is uh, going off saying Mal gets everything in that, in that pregame speech. <laughs> that was one of my favourite moments as a young kid growing up. And young Loz was ready to take the title off Mal. And, uh, yeah, he, he was... He was tremendous. Watch, there's, there's a lot of them out there, isn't there? A lot of Indigenous players over the years. When yeah. David Peachy was just outstanding. Andrew Walker. I don't think there's been many players that have been as freakish as Andrew Walker. No. Some of the stuff that he can do. And Freddie talks a lot about yeah, uh, you know, Unk's ability. And, and what you used to see at training and the things that that bloke could just naturally do, uh, unbelievable, you know. It's, it's, the list goes on and on. Yeah. I, the other one, so Laurie Daly was for me um, – because of that connection with watching him play at Juni. And the other one was Matty Bowen, you know, because you sort of you love the players that can do the things that you, you just can't. Like, that's that's one of the attractions for them. And his speed and agility. And I'll never forget, they were playing the Warriors one day. And this and this went to the personality of Matty Bowen. They were playing the Warriors. And the ball went over the sideline. And he was racing across and ended up going on. And he sort of almost f- fell into the cheerleaders. The cheerleaders were sitting on the sideline. and And... And he turned around and then he went back and picked up the chair for the cheerleader that he knocked over and just made sure she was okay. I thought, in the middle of an NRL game, what are you doing? 
But it was fantastic. It was just representative of the way he felt. Mate, and him and Thurston's combination. Like, I went to Townsville plenty of times and, you know, plenty of teams did. And they just mesmerise you. Yeah. Thurston and, and Bowen, you do all this work all week on video and watch for this and watch for that. And you get up there and at half time you'd be standing and go, all right, it's 22 nil down. And what did we miss? Because the, Bowen scored two or three tries off of Thurston already. And yeah. they just blow you off the park, those two. Those two. And um, they, it was a combination um, that everyone loved in rugby league back in those days, Thurston and Bowen. 0457 736 736. As I mentioned, big show coming up. Michelle Bishop from Channel 7 uh, and from 1170 SEN. So much news around in rugby league. We'll have a chat to her. Dave Riccio as well. Sean Timmons is somewhere. Like, he's on his way, Brooksy. I mean, you're an Illawarra boy. Where is he? Where is he? I think he's just passing Helensburg right now. <laughs> he might have just stopped in for a pie. Good pie store Good there. Pie. Why wouldn't but, yeah. he have the Galos here? I think he's he needs one now. Oh, and then a to get him through for yeah, the Galas, right. no, yeah. Fair enough, fair enough. So we'd we'd encourage that. Uh, yeah. So Timo will be along for a chat as well. Who's this guy you're talking to, Jimmy? <laughs> he's a beauty. That's from Murph. I will tell you, who it is Murph. It's Dean Witters. He's a, a former rooster, a rabbit, an eel, a Castleford tiger. You better, how, how I love you, the way you say that too. That well, that's how they say it over there, don't they? Exactly right. Cast Tigers. Watched them this morning. 62 to 6 they got beaten by Leeds. <laughs> I don't know what was going on because they've been one of the top teams over the last few years over there, um, Cass. And, Aren't uh, they into a Challenge Cup semi-final? Uh, they got beat. Did they? They got beat, yeah. So, well, they're uh, rubbish now. Yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but no, they um great Great rugby league town, and I love my time in England. It was, it was a place I think I was meant to go and play footy because I absolutely loved it over there and made great friends and got plenty of friends for life. The Jungle. The was Jungle. That, that's where they used yeah. to play, Castleford. Little, yeah. It's like a little country town, it little is. ground, yeah. And the it ground's is. right on top of you, the atmosphere in there. It's, you can go to an Origin game and have 100,000. Yeah. Won't compare to having the, the Jungle packed, I tell you. Oh, my favourite story about Castleford was um, – Mal Reilly, the great Mal Reilly played for them. And when Sturlow was over there playing for Hull in 1985, so Sturlow played one season at Hull, um, they made the Challenge Cup final. They say it's the greatest Challenge Cup final of all time, 1985. It was, it was Wigan v Hull. I think Johnny Ferguson got two tries for Wigan and Brett Kenny was the um, Lance Todd Trophy winner as player of the match. And Sturlow played the one season at Hull and he's in their uh, team of the century. Right, so th- that's what they thought of him. Mal Reilly was playing for Castleford at the time, and I think they were, they were either playing them in a in a league game or in a in a cup game. And so he realised how dangerous he was. So he organised when they were waiting in the tunnel to run out to have the lights shut off. So he just went down the line, down the line, trying to find Sturlow and then tried to build him <laughs> before the game. That'll be something someone from Castlefoot to do, mate. I'm telling you, it's a tough little town. Oh, isn't it? For all the tricks in Cass. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. one But the gold medal team in Rio were playing rugby union, Jimmy. Yes, I know that. I, I think I made mention of the fact that they were playing rugby union. But Charlotte and Ilya Green, did Ilya she, Green. Play, she yep, played Warriors. for uh, the Warriors? And there yep. was another Polite, one. Polita, yes. 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 So, yeah, there was a couple of girls. And I know that was a function of not being able to travel around with the, the World Sevens, but that's all they wanted to do was play some footy. And in particular, I know Charlotte's dad, Don, mad Bulldogs fan. So he's up there in uh, in Queensland. So uh, he loves his rugby league as well. Tell me about what you were doing with the books, Dean. I remember there was, there was times you were, I don't know, it was an NRL program, but it was encouraging... I think not just Indigenous communities, but Indigenous communities uh, in particular about making sure you're doing your reading. 
Yeah, well, I think the author Alan Duff of the Once Were Warriors story. He um, oh, yeah. he used to take books out, and they called it a books in homes program in New Zealand, where they take books out to um, you know low impoverished areas yep. or, or, to, or places where a lot of at risk children were, and they just gave books to these children to take home so that they had books in their homes to promote reading. And Indigenous kids the same sort of thing, and especially in remote and rural areas. So over here, I sort of started a bit of a a program towards getting um, reading into Aboriginal communities yep. and in the house um, and get people to donate books back in the days. And then NRL uh, had a rugby league reads type program on so, the back so of that. So what, you just started that yourself? Oh, it was started by other people, obviously, in New Zealand. We just sort of just copied the idea yeah, and just right. wanted to promote it here. So I would go around to different country towns and, and try and raise money, do fundraisers, whatever it is, where people could come in, donate money, they would all go towards buying these books to hand out to these young kids in school and they'd take them home, have them in their houses. Just And, and the kids got to choose the books. They right, would read for right. a catalogue and yeah, all this sort of yeah. stuff. So, and then the books would come. You know what it was like when you're a young kid to get a new, brand new book. Oh, it was nice massive. and shiny and couldn't wait to take it home and, and read it and stuff like that. So it was a really good, little simple little thing. But um, good program, and I hope that it helped a lot of kids. I heard during the week that Eric Carl passed away, aged 91. Now, Eric is the author of The Very Hungry Caterpillar, which was about the first book that we had in our home with the kids. I don't know whether it's just a story about a caterpillar that eats and eats and eats and then turns into a beautiful butterfly. Yeah. But <laughs> it's that introduction into reading. Our, all of our kids love that book. Yeah, and, you know, the earlier you can start, yeah. the better. With anything around education, so to, to have those sort of things in the household and, you know, to, to buy into the magic of reading a book. Yeah. Um, and, and it was, reading was something, my mum's a school teacher, so reading was something ah. that I did at a young age. Yeah, yeah. And I loved reading. I, I used to get all the footy books. So I had that Sturlow book. Where did you? <laughs> yeah, at, the, at Sturlow. I had Wally, King Wally. Yes, uh, King Wally. All, yeah, all yeah, Wayne yeah. Pierce's book. I, I bought them all as a kid. I just think that was one of my favourite things to do when I got money was, to go and buy footy books. I just wanted to read about all these footy players. And Wally had three books out, I think. He did. Wally had a book that came out after the 86 Kangaroo Tour yeah. called King Wally. And then the, the other one Wally was and the Wally and the Broncos. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Wally Strikes Back. Yeah. <laughs> there was a few. No, it wasn't Wally. <laughs> uh, Return of the Wally. Yeah. But that's how, I, that's how I got in. David Middleton's books yeah. started, I think, in 1987. Okay. And Sturlow was on the cover of that first one that I read. And my grandma used to give it to me every Easter because they sort of came out a bit late when the season started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was great. Like all these yarns about every game because you couldn't cover every game on no, TV back then. And he had a write-up for every game. All the stats, tries, goals, points. He had kangaroo tour stories, yes. had all the Australian players over the years. Sport does resonate with kids, particularly if you play it or you watch it. And it's a great way to get into reading. Mm-hmm. All right. Hey, You're th- absolutely right. There's our talk topic for today. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. What was your first books? Your first books that you were reading? Uh, don't have to be sport-related if they are. If it's Sturlow's book, uh, fantastic. If not, you'll be able to buy them at all good bookstores. Apparently at all the bad bookstores as well, mm-hmm. Dino. So that's uh, handy for him as well. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Keep the text coming in. And Brooksy, I think he's out there organising a prize to give away for that. Zero four five seven seven three six. 736. By the way, download the SEN app and you can listen to Crunch Time anytime, anywhere. That's via the uh, the podcast as well. Just before we go to our, our first break, Dino, um, how are you? You all right? Because you were coaching last night and the result didn't quite go your way. Yeah, so we, we jumped to a, we played the West Tigers at Bank West last night and we jumped to a 12-0 lead after seven minutes and it was, it was looking Whoa. fantastic. 
and then uh, 28 points came past us the other way, and we just went a little bit off off our plan, and got a young, inexperienced team at, at the Rabbitohs in the women's space. Our, our team's really sort of new to this sort of standard and level of playing, and um, we, we're like that a bit at the moment. Okay. We're, we're still, I always say, I think we're we're a, we're a couple of hundred hours of games, yes. pressure games, pressure training, yes. um, football knowledge, all that sort of stuff. We're still a couple of hundred hours off getting to that standard. So we've just got to have people who are patient and ready to persevere and, and keep learning, and that, that will get us there in the end. Are the Rabbitohs going to be one of the new licence holders? Or not to be, it hasn't been determined yet? hasn't been determined yet. Uh, I'd say the Rabbitohs are more long-term plan, right. at, sort of 2023. Okay. I think South have got the right idea with it. Um, just to, to keep building football in the local area, wait till their centre of excellence already over yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. So it'd be a bit premature for Rabbitohs to be you know, pushing hard for a licence this year. But I dare say in a few years' time, um, when once they've got everything up and running, because um, there's a lot of talent in that South Sydney area. You know, obviously we see it for the boys, but yeah, the yeah. young girls that are playing all throughout that area are talented. And um, once we've got the pathway in check there, I think the Rabbitohs could be a really prominent um, team in the NRLW. Yeah, no doubt about it. It looks like there's a race jumping somewhere. Some, <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, sorry, Brooksy, I don't know how that happened. Uh, actually, I do know exactly how it happened. But anyway, hey, we've got Michelle Bishop coming up very shortly. This is Crunch Time, brought to you by Isuzu, the three-litre Isuzu D-Max, born to live, and, of course, Red Rooster. Try their new spicy wings. The Rooster is calling. We'll take a break. We'll be back with Michelle. Ah, sure is. Crunch time brought to you by Red Rooster and Isuzu, the powerful three-litre turbo diesel Isuzu D-Max. No matter the adventure, the Isuzu D-Max is born to live. We've got Dean Witters here as our special guest in the studio. Uh, welcome to you again, Dino. Okay, go on. Have the have the conversation that you were just having with me around. We're just about to watch this knock-on effect cup start here for this Penrith side. And what did you say? If they... If they if they if, start winning, oh, if they win the grand final, uh, I think in the next ten years they're just going to dominate the competition. The, what, what the juniors they've got coming through out there, yeah. the area and how much they love rugby league and yes. the continual growth of that, their 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 imprint into Western New South Wales yes. is going to get bigger and stronger, and they're just producing rugby league talent everywhere out there in Western New South Wales. So I really fear for the rest of the competition once the the Panthers, you know, it's been coming for a long time. It's like we've woken up the the roaring giant and the Panthers, if they win this year, it'll take a long time to to knock them off the perch. You think about some of those bush boys that they've had too, like, you know, Isaac Yo and Matty Burton from Dubbo, then Liam Martins from Tamora and Billy Burns was there from Parks and they've just spread their tentacles out there and... Um, keep recruiting. They've done it with great deal of success. Uh, this is The Crunch, the big news in rugby league. Red Rooster's crunchy fried chicken available at selected restaurants. We speak to Michelle Bishop from Channel 7 with all the latest news. She's on the line. G'day, Michelle. Good afternoon. Red Rooster's starting to sound mighty fine. I've been up since 3am, <laughs> so not a bad uh, not a bad option for lunch. But look, um, just on that situation with the Penrith Panthers, let's not forget the brains behind that was, of course, Phil Gould. I was working with him out at Penrith. I was in the media and communications department, but he started that way back in 2011, 2012, and look at it today. Obviously, he's moved on, but um, we are, we're, we're reaping the benefits of the program he introduced way back then, and I think it's fantastic, and other clubs really should you know, sort of take a note. I think it's uh, uh, very relevant what you say. I'd love to know, Michelle, and you may, what Gus is now out of the system, but looking back at what he helped create and, and the success that it's having, how he actually feels about that now. 
Oh, look, he's just, he's proud. He's quietly proud. Um, you know, he's not one to talk himself up at all. He just, he loves, look, if you really got to know Phil Gould, he just loves um, helping kids, Lo- loves, uh, you know, the ones that are out there doing a little bit tough. He, he likes to have a bit of an input. He's obviously got a, an eye for talent, which uh, we can see because the, the names that you were just rattling off then were all the young kids. I think it was uh, the story I think I've told before on SDN. I think it was Maddie Burton, um, one of the uh, the uh, guys out there at Penrith said, look, I want you to come and see this kid. He finally got him out there and it was the worst uh, performance Maddie Burton had ever had. He knocked on, he kicked out on the full and he drove home thinking, oh, you're all mad, you've gone crazy. Um, and then he obviously got to watch a few videos and we've all seen, you know, the product now of Maddie Burton. So fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, it's going to be a bit of a circus out there at Lidcombe Oval today. What are you anticipating? This is a knock-on effect match between the Western Suburbs Magpies and the St. George Illawarra Dragons. But, of course, Jack DeBellon playing in this. And as a result of that, a lot of news is drawn to him. Well, let's not forget we all need to social distance. Uh-huh. <laughs> the NRL's um, taking care of that for Jack DeBell and have obviously um, given him some security, which is obviously some security guards. He's going to need that. But I don't think we'll see uh, this many people at a, a knock-on effect match. But, um, look, you know, it's it's going to be – well, are we – He's been training, obviously. It's no secret. He's been training on his own. He's kept his body right. But mentally, two, two, uh, over two years away from the game, it's certainly going to be um, one hell of a spectacle. And look, we're all uh, sort of, you know, we can't, we get excited about the whole theatre and the drama of rugby league. And given the way uh, the Dragons played last night, we all are really keen to see if he will be back next week. But uh, Coach Anthony Griffin sort of poured a bit of water on that last night and kind of, you know, was sort of thinking, well, not sure. But um, surely, surely that's where they go. They're down on troops, the Dragons. Dragons and I mean their, their situation at the moment. Um, they've only won what, one of their last seven games or so. They are really struggling. Uh, full credit to the Tigers though. Last night they were. I, I'd, I'd actually put it out there to say that was probably the best combination, the best team we've seen this year so far with the Tigers. Dane Laurie. I don't know whether it was Indigenous round, but that kid is something else. And the story behind him as well. He was, you know, a bit of a bargain buy, um, a, a late sort of shuffle from Penrith. Uh, who was going to, you know, spend the whole year in reserve grade. Yeah. Uh, the Tigers picked him up at a bargain price. And look, bang for their buck. I tell you now, what an inspiration that kid is. He had his family there last night, which I guess would have been, you know, a bit of an added bonus and more motivation for him. Um, he was remarkable. Uh, and look, we, we all know the Tigers, they're recruiting for next year as well, which is exciting. We've got Jackson Hastings coming along. And now we hear Oliver Gildart, who's a, a gun left centre. He's uh, the best there is in the Super League at the moment. So uh, the Tigers are, are certainly looking ahead for their future. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? You, you said it exactly right there. They're very deliberate about who they're recruiting, aren't they? They're not recruiting a player from England. They're recruiting a left centre from England to fill the spot for them as well. Hey, there's been some changes, some moves today that has been announced, been hinted at. Jake Clifford to Newcastle, Tommy Dearden to North Queensland. How many other dominoes do you anticipate falling over the next couple of weeks, Michelle? Look, I'm a little bit confused about why all the fuss today. We kind of knew all this was happening, yeah. especially with Blake, Blake, uh, sorry, with Jake Clifford. We um, Seven News broke that on Tuesday night. Um, but, yeah, well, he, he will be at training on Monday. That's guaranteed. And I can also tell you that Tommy Dearden will be arriving at the Cowboys tomorrow and showing up for training um, on Monday as well. So mm. it's, um, it's very interesting to see how it's all unfolding. Big games this afternoon. Panthers and the Bulldogs, you'll hear that on 1170 SEN. Rabbitohs, Eels, Roosters, Raiders. Um, and, of course, that's up there on the Central Coast. Um, the origin news that is out and about and the implications that these games can have on origin selection, um, I'd imagine it's a little bit of a nervous Brad Freddie Fittler that's watching these games, Michelle. 
a definite nervous, uh, crucial 24 hours for him. But just back on the Roosters Raiders match tonight on the Central Coast, I'm not sure if it's out and about yet. We, I can tell you that Sam Walker is out and um, the likely halves will be Joey Manu and, of course, Lockie Lamb. And I'll be, you know, front ringside if you want for that match to see my wonderful little nephew run around, Adam Kieran, <laughs> coming off the bench again for the Roosters. But just going back to origin, as I say, crucial 24 hours for Freddie. Um, he's set to announce the Blues team, obviously, tomorrow night. They'll all go into camp uh, at Coogee. Now, the Payne Haas situation um, with that knee injury, he remains in contention. We're not sure um, how that'll work out. But, of course, Reed and Campbell Gillard, he's his obvious replacement. But as you say, he'll be watching the Panthers Bulldogs uh, with a close eye. There's eight Panthers featuring in his uh, list of candidates. So, and the crackdown, won't that be interesting? Because yeah. which way, how will players play? Will they play safe? Will they put it all out there? Because, you know, they've obviously got to impress. But Steve Crichton, uh, Matty Burton, Brian Tuo, uh, Jerome Luai, Nathan Cleary, and of course you've got your outside, well, obviously um, Isaiah Yo, but you've got your outsiders, maybe Appy Carousel, Liam Martin uh, for that bench role. Um, interesting, isn't it, that we're seeing Blake Ferguson's name be mentioned again, um, perhaps for that right wing spot. I mean, he's unwanted at Parramatta, but he's just playing the house down this year, really matures. Yeah, I, I think there's a there's a whole heap of left wingers that are playing really well for New South Wales, but not so many on the right. Um, Fergie has been having a good season. I've seen the charge sheet come out. I don't know whether you've seen it. Reese Walsh has been charged with a grade one striking, 200 base points, so... Um, that is a couple of games for him. Would he have been out of place, potentially, and he can fight this charge and, and may well uh, be selected, but would he have been out of place in a in a Queensland 18 jersey just to get him into the system, Michelle? Oh, would have, it would have been something Freddie would have done, but, uh, but let me tell you, I was the one in the corner rocking when I found out that he was a Queenslander. Yeah. What an absolute gun. Obviously, we've been watching him for a couple of weeks now, and last night, again, just absolutely tearing up. He is unbelievable, that kid. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would I, I would have um, definitely given him, at least put him, I, I love, that's what Freddie does well. He puts him in the system. Last year, he, he put, um, uh, you know, Jerome Luai, Stephen Crichton, in and around the system to know yeah. You know what's expected, and to eat and sleep and breathe what what origin is. So it's definitely something I would have been thinking of doing had I been in charge of Queensland. Yeah. But gee, I wish he was in a blues outfit. <laughs> well, he's born in Sydney. He's got indigenous indigenous and uh, Maori uh, background, and of course he's played all his junior footy up there in Queensland. So unfortunately, yeah, he's a he's a Queenslander. Michelle, Michelle, great to have you on. Thank you for your time today, of Can course. Can I just make oh, one yes. quick mention? Um, this is an off-the-field thing. The, the uh, school-to-work program with the NRL, um, obviously I've had a bit of a personal experience with it this time. My son's just completed that week, um, Lachlan. Now, for any mother out there that isn't even involved in the game, for you to pick your son up um, after a week away and for him to tell me he's never in his life considered university, I just think I, I'm, I'm the happiest mother on earth of today. He's, he's obviously got the ability to do it, but it was never an option. But the things that the kids were exposed to, it was 64 kids from New South Wales all came to Sydney for the week. As I say, some of them had never been inside a university, but to see the facilities and just to, the, the life skills and to open up their mind, to broaden their thinking of what's available to them, what a program. Full credit to the NRL, full credit to the Indigenous guys that are running it. Tamanata, who was, has been exceptional, um, some of the conversations I've had with my son. And these are the things that we don't hear about a lot. Seven News will be running a story on this tonight because I was incredibly passionate about it. Yeah. Um, I just think it's really important. And, and it basically, the word is that if we don't get the things right on the field, like the crackdown, 
the game is in jeopardy. And what then is at risk is these sort of programs. Yeah, uh, Michelle, I, I was part of delivering a workshop, I suppose, to those young kids in the School to Work program and a fantastic program. We have over 90, 90% of those kids complete their HSC, Indigenous kids finish in high school and our, our average across the, the country is, is well below that, around yeah. 50 to 60%. So for, for that program to have the success that it's having, uh, I saw some of the kids and what they did during the week. It's a fantastic program, the, the Youth Summit and... Um, you know, this, this is the, the opportunity that rugby league has off the field to make a difference. And a lot of clubs are doing mm. that. Even with kids that they might not play rugby league, they don't have to, but our game can still do a lot for the community out there. And midweek, Latrell Mitchells, Cody Walker's taking um, their own time to go down and visit and talk to these kids, current NRL players as well. I just think it's terrific. Yeah, I think Joey Williams put something out on social media that uh, Latrell and Cody and Johnny Sutton went and uh, checked in on his under-14 team that he's coaching out there at Dubbo uh, last Saturday before the game yeah, against I saw the Panthers. That, yeah. yeah, yeah, fantastic. fantastic. Uh, great work, Michelle. Thank you for that. Uh, the most unbiased uh, commentator, reporter in rugby league, <laughs> unless it comes to the number 14 for the Sydney Roosters, and then it's, the gloves are off. <laughs> Man of the match tonight. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, that's a, that's Have fantastic. A good other, guys. You too, Michelle. There she is, Michelle Bishop. She's a good one. Uh, we know that. She's from. Channel 7, quite obviously. Uh, this is crunch time. Thanks to Izuzu. We've got to get to an ad break. Before we do, though, uh, hey, Jimmy and Dean. Dino, I remember seeing you captain the Roosters SG ball winning team at North Sydney Oval in 1997. As for great Indigenous players, Preston Campbell for me. That's from Brian. Who was in that? At that Roosters SG ball side, mate. Oh, made some big names. Uh, Anthony Minicello was, uh, was a gun in yeah. that team. And uh, one of the wingers, we had uh, Andrew Lomu played first grade. Yes. Uh, Ronald Prince came out of that team to play first grade. We had the Piggy Riddell off the bench. Was he? Yeah, funny the pig. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so we had, we, there was a pretty good young team that we had there. at the uh, Shannon Hegarty and some of them guys oh, came yeah, into okay. it. So. Plenty of talent in that team, and uh, it was a great, great moment just up the road here, North Sydney Oval. Ah, fantastic. Won the grand final in our first year. Uh, good on you, Brian. Yes, yeah, so keep coming in with your favourite Indigenous players. Round 12, Indigenous round in the National Rugby League. Right up, we'll take a break now. Uh, remember, this is crunch time. It's all thanks to Isuzu, the three-litre Isuzu D-Max and Red Rooster. Spicy wings, the rooster's calling. We'll take a break, and we'll be back with more. And it's all thanks to Red Rooster's new spicy wings. Feel the peppery tingle, limited time, so get in fast. The Rooster's calling. And Isuzu, the three-litre Isuzu D-Max, born to live. Uh, my name's Jimmy Smith. I'm here with our special guest, Dean Winnett. What did you say about this studio? Mate, I'd love to have this set up at home. You sit at home, you've got, you got around seven screens here. You can watch every sport that's going. We're watching the basketball. You've got the newspapers to read all about. And then you've got your mates ringing up on the phone over the yard. <laughs> what a place. I'd, I'd put my bed down on the floor here and I'd live there all week. Who was our caller there that just wanted to know the charges coming out? That was Brad. So he's been in the update. All right, Brad. Uh, before we do that, we've got a game being played over there in uh, at uh, Penrith Stadium right Ooh. now. Oh, I think they've got their first try. Uh, they have, in fact. So 4-0. 4-0 Panthers over Mounties in that one. Uh, but, yes, Brad, the charges coming out of last night. Jazz Tavunga has got a grade one dangerous contact. Uh, fine. Uh, Mitch Dunn has got a uh, grade one dangerous contact with head or neck. So he's got 100 base points there. And he's got some prior non-similars. Reese Walsh, 200 points here for the striking charge. So he's going to early guilty plea. We'll see him miss at least one game. Adam Pompey has got a crusher tackle. Again, 200 basis points. So 
Uh, early guilty plea. We'll see him miss one game. Tarek Sims, dangerous contact head and neck. Did you see this one, Dino? Yeah, I know it was after your game, but this was with the one on Jacob Little where he, he sort of raised his knee in the tackle, and they're clearly saying, well, that, that's a deliberate act. Yeah, stamping down on everything, I think. Um, you know, on Everyone's got to work on their technique and, and, and the dangers that we're putting in. It's a, it's a massive wake-up call for the game and for the players, and I think we're going to see a lot of these sort of things pointed out because for too long we've probably turned a blind eye to it and let a lot of these things slip, but now players are going to get, get marked on every little thing that they do wrong. And, and you're right there at the coalface in this too. So are you a supporter? in what the National Rugby League are doing? Mate, I'm a definite supporter because yes. one is I see at the grassroots what's happening with the game. Yes. We're losing numbers massively and a lot of it is down to the dangers from letting a lot of these things slide for a long time. Yep. Um, you know, forever we've been saying you can't hit around the head and you can't tuck around the head. Yeah. But we've been letting people get away with the little slips and the, you know, the unintentional um, mess up and the, the old one, oh, it's just bounced up from the shoulders. We need to get rid of it so that we can, one, grow our game back in the traditional strong grassroots areas. But yes. our game's only played in certain parts of the world. And if we want to extend, which all sports are going to need to do in the future, into these other areas, we need to clean it up to get it there. So I think it's really important. Uh, and the other one, Luciano Leilua, is a shoulder charge. Oh, that was in the 77th minute. Oh, I missed that one during the course of the call. Uh, 200 basis points, so he'll miss a match there as well. So there are the charges, Brad, uh, coming out of those two games from last night. Three games coming up. Back pages of both papers, though, Dino, is uh, your old teammate. Of course, he's the New South Wales State of Origin coach now, Brad Freddie Fitler. One, talking about Freddie's Fright Night and all the players that are available for New South Wales that that are uh, going around today in the games. And the interesting one, though, is Andrew Webster. And the direct quote is from Brad Fitler, I was outcoached by Wayne Bennett last year in the State of Origin. It's it's amazing revelation, but if you know Freddie, it's not surprising, right? No, and he's, he's one of the most reflective sort of yes. people that you could find. Freddie's he always looks into his own actions, the way he conducts himself, um, always reviewing how things went and, and taking notice. Like he's one of those guys, I think, that really sits there and watches and learns and takes in what's happening around him. He's been like that forever. And yes. As a coach, you really see him do that. And I think uh, that's not a thing for anyone to be fearful of with Freddie. I think that's actually Freddie saying, I've acknowledged what's happened last yes. year. I've really worked hard on the things that I saw out of it and the progression's going to come this year. Yeah, it's a strength, isn't it? You're right, to be so reflective and have that that awareness. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think with the talent the Blues have this year, um, a relaxed person like Freddie is the perfect person to be coaching them at, at the way they are now. G'day, Jimmy and Dino. Cheers for the Top Sport Prize Thursday, Jimmy. No problem on that one, Braden. Uh, Braden's over in Perth too, by the way. Oh, and Dino, I enjoy Over the Black Dot, mate. Yeah, uh, that's a show we do on NITV. Um, George Rose and uh, Tamana Toe and a, and a guy called Jaden Perry. So it's on uh, Indigenous Channel there, but for, uh, we talk about everything in rugby league on that channel and have a lot of fun. You can imagine Big George is funny as funny as anything on there. So I'm glad you enjoy it, Braden, uh, all the way from over there in Perth. And uh, I'll give you a shout-out on Wednesday night. Maybe oh, stop <laughs> it. What about that? 0457-736-736 to get a shout-out on over the black dot, Brooksy. Hey, Dean, I love it as well. <laughs> yep. And I think Al does too, don't you, Al? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> oh, Send me the list, boys. I'll get you all out there Wednesday. Yeah, it you're, yeah. It's like, who was it who used to do it on Romper Room? He used yeah. to say, uh, Miss, I see 
Yeah, I, I see, see Nathan at Wollongong. Yes. <laughs> uh, very good, very good. Uh, all right, we've got the news coming up now. Crunch time brought to you by Isuzu, the three-liter Isuzu D-Max, and, of course, Red Rooster. Spicy Wings, the Roosters calling. Sean Timmons, Dave Riccio, your calls on 1300 one 1170 and the text 0457-736-736. Our special guest in the studio... Dean Witters. So if you want to give uh, Dean a call, make sure you use those numbers. All right, news now, and we'll be back with more. Uh, yes, lunchtime is crunch time. That rhymes, actually, which is uh, the type of thing we do here at 1170 SEN. It's brought to you by Red Rooster and Isuzu, the powerful three-litre turbo diesel Isuzu D-Max. No matter the adventure, the Isuzu D-Max is born to live. We're going to have a look back at the game's through round 12 of the National Rugby League, of course, Indigenous round. Our special guest in the studio today is former Rooster, former Eel, former Rabbitoh, former Castleford Tiger, uh, Dean Witters. And Dino, uh, we might also look at our State of Origin side. We'll be joined very shortly of, by State of Origin legend, um, superstar uh, field goal kicker, of course. And there was another thing he asked me. to. Uh, oh, yeah, just all-round nice guy, uh, Sean Timmons, uh, very shortly. But... Um, and, and I know Timo's been picking his state of origin side. We might get you, Dino, to pick your state of origin side for New South Wales. You can have a go at Queensland if you like as well. You're a, you're a, being from Armadale, though. I'm you're a, blues, a, you're a blue. I'm a blues man. Yeah, hey, Timo. I'm yeah, a right. blues man. So, um, yeah, I'm uh, I'm ex- excited for this team this year. I think last year was a COVID year, mate. I say to all the Queensland fans, don't get carried away. <laughs> we didn't even know it was on down here. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then. <laughs> put it back on this year, so we're great to see Origin return as far as everyone in New South Wales this year. So, um, but I th- I'm predicting the Blues this year. Freddie will learn his lessons, and uh, the talent we've got there will come through. I think. Oh yeah, speaking of talent, um, great to have the very talented Sean Timmons in the house as well too. He's uh, he's just got, he's all set. Hello, Timmo. Afternoon, boys. How are we? I'm Dino? very well, Jimmy. Hey mate, seen Dino last night. I haven't yeah. seen him for haven't years. You didn't tell me you were, <laughs> didn't tell me you were coming on here. No. Eh? Yeah. Uh, very good. Uh, uh, just out of that, Timo, we're going to get to that game very shortly too, but we're going to get you to tip your uh, pick your state of origin side. Our talk topics for the day for the listeners, one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. 1170 The text line 0457-736-736. Round 12 NRL, Indigenous round. So your favourite Indigenous players growing up. And also on the back of uh, Dino having his book drive and being a uh, uh, a big reader back in the day. Oh, you actually, you still... Still do plenty of reading, do Yeah, uh, not as much these days. The, the old bookshops aren't around as much as they are. I'm far too busy, but, um, yeah, still still keen every now and then just yeah, to have a look at it. Yeah, um, Your favourite books that you had growing up, whether they were sports-related or not, we had a shared book of uh, Sterlow, Story of a Champion. I think, actually, I was 20 years of age when it came. Anyway, but <laughs> it was still, still from my childhood, it feels that way. Um, uh, but favourite Indigenous player, Timo? Um, there was plenty. I uh, I loved obviously Mel Meninga, Laurie Daly. Uh, there was plenty of good players. And I was fortunate enough to play with guys like Nathan Blacklock and Anthony Mundine. We yeah. seen last night. They walked uh, the Dragons boys out uh, onto the field for Indigenous round. But yeah, been such so many good players. But uh, Nathan Blacklock and and Chuck Mundine to be able to play with them guys. But as more as as a younger player, it was probably yeah your Laurie Daly's. And yeah. I love watching Mel Meninga. I just used to love the size of the the man and. Even Laurie Daly, he could, he could do it all. But the best thing I loved about Laurie, he was such a gentleman off the field. But once he crossed that line, he was such a good player. He was quite aggressive type player to yeah. Laurie. But just a gentleman. And I was fortunate enough to play against him a lot of the times. And even on the field, he was one of them players who was a young bloke. 
he'd talk to you after the game and give you some tips and say how you going and that. And he's always been a gentleman, Laurie. But yeah, there's been plenty of good players. Guys like Peach played a fair bit against Dave Peach. Here. Yeah, got to play with Peach, but played against Dino. Well, Dino probably reminded me there was another guy from um, Illora Steelers, Ian Russell. Oh yeah, lock forward that was a, a real good sort of ball playing lock, and he had a, a funny tackling style. He had that sort of the trip. Yeah, like he, but he was he was such a real he was a skillful player, Russo. So yeah, there's been uh, there's been plenty come through uh, play, and and you're seeing there's a lot of them coming through in the game at the moment. Yeah, he had um, he had really bad hamstrings, didn't he, Ian Russell? Mm. At the same yeah. time as uh, Roddy Wishart had those hamstrings, and I think they were put under anaesthetic, and they had their hamstrings stretched whilst they were under anaesthetic to stop getting the, the tears. Unbelievable what we go through. And I, th- I think Ian Russell was one of his kids is a, a surfer of. So- a soccer player. Soccer player. Soccer yeah, I player. Think he yeah. plays for the Wanderers. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. he's, he's, Is that like, right? he's a kid in another sport. I yeah. remember. I remember meeting him once. Ah, right. Ah, there you go. There you go. Um, we've got text messages coming in. Uh, g'day, legends. One of my favourite Indigenous players was Mark Wright. Came from Moree. He played grade for Newtown. Unfortunately, a uh, bit of a wild child. But anyway, Buzz from Coogee. So Buzz from Coogee. I didn't. I didn't remember Mark Wright. He played for Newtown seventy-five to seventy-nine. So that's a good five years uh, in the top grade and scored plenty of tries too. 79 games, 34 tries in that time. Ewan McGrady was oh, was one that yeah, came down from the Maury Boomerangs. Made rugby league look easy. You know, there's, <laughs> there's a team of them, they play in the Aboriginal knockout, the McGrady's, and they all play together in Tumala. And they you play them and it's that slow for, for the first three or four tackles. It's like no one wants to run. Right. They're all just standing and watching. And then one of them will do one thing. It could be just a step or it could be a second phase is created or a cutout gets thrown. And all of a sudden you just see them, boom, they all move at once and the balls just go boom, 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 boom through the hands. Someone will pick up a flick pass off their toes and next thing you know you're standing under your trial and you're going, (laughs) how did that just happen? But that's the McGrady's. They were magic. There was uh, Ewan's younger brothers. Was it Ricky? Ricky, Jason. Jace, yeah. Yeah, Brett, there's a, there's a lot of them. There's a big list of them. But, yeah, Ricky and Jason played a bit of grade as well. Yeah, yeah. All right, afternoon, guys. i got my Specky McGee book series at the age of 10. I've read all eight books in the series. Gave me a lot of interesting information on the sport of AFL. Particularly enjoyed the insights of Gary Lyon. Thanks. That's from Ads. Good on your ads. Yes, keep those text messages coming in, Timo. Yeah, I used to love re- I, I love reading sports books. Like, uh, I've read a lot of the rugby league guys, like Laurie Daly and all these types of books, but my reading's dropped off a little bit ever since the, the Rugby League Week and the Big League Week. <laughs> it's shattering. It, that was my main read for the week. Look, used to look forward, especially when you're playing, you used to buy the Big League or was it the rug where they give you the ratings? And Yeah, Rugby League <laughs> Week. Rugby League Week. R- rugby yeah. League Week. Um, it's a shame I, they don't have them anymore. I went to boarding school, right? So I remember when I was in year, year eight, year nine, year ten, we used to have to study for three hours every night. Right, uh, except Friday nights we studied for two hours. I think that was it, six thirty to eight thirty, and then we'd watch Friday night footy. But Wednesday was rugby league week day, right? So someone would have gone down and bought the rugby league week, and you weren't allowed to talk. You had to be silent for fifty five minutes, and then you got five minutes where. So what would the rugby league week would just go around to whoever's turn it was, uh, and you'd, you'd read it cover to cover. Yeah, absolutely sensational. Bring it back, please. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, uh, yeah, it doesn't quite work this day and age <laughs> with. Uh, the printed word. Uh, righto, Dino, we've got uh, really important games coming up. We've got important decision-making from both New South Wales and Queensland power brokers. But what's your Queen, uh, New South Wales state of origin side that you're going to roll out for June 9? Depending on where it is, we're still waiting on clarity. Oh, actually, where, do you, where, where should the game go? If, if it can't go to Melbourne, if it can't go to the MCG because of 
what's happening from a COVID perspective down there? Where do you think the game should go? I'd love it see it to see it uh, at last second come to Bank West, but I'd, I'd say someone like somewhere, even though that's going to hurt the Blues, somewhere like Townsville, yeah, um, with that new stadium they got up there, I think it'd be fantastic up in a place like Townsville and somewhere that's probably never going to see an Origin game again. That's right. So I'd like to see it go go to somewhere like that. Yeah, yeah them two stadiums are probably the best. I was at Bank West last night. Such a great um, stadium, and and that packed, it would be unbelievable. But Townsville, uh, they got a brand new stadium up there. That, but I'm only thinking as a Blues <laughs> fan that. Send them one up there that gives Queensland two home games. Yeah, but it does. But stadium wise, they got that. That would be perfect up there. Them and the weather. The weather would be normally warm unless you get one yeah. of those torrential rains that they can get. But the weather would be good to be brand new, perfect stadium. So hopefully, yeah, if it, if it does get moved somewhere like uh, with Townsville, seems uh, the logic location. Perth, Adelaide. Apparently, they've all come into the mix and and. It was I don't know whether it was Peter Volandis or Andrew Abdo was quoted as saying, oh, we've been contacted by all governments wanting to have this. I thought, well, fair enough. Get that word out there. And what's your thoughts? Do you, th- do you think they will look to take it at somewhere like that, at Perth or Adelaide, or they'll bring it back to... I, any... I think if it can't go to Melbourne, it'll go to Queensland Country yeah. Bank Stadium. You know what? I was at the Perth Origin game. It's a huge success. It's the yes. best thing that we can have to advertise rugby league is state of origin. It's it's our gold mine. And to take it to somewhere like Perth or Adelaide, it's going to do a lot for growth in our game. And um, if, if you could arrange it, but that Perth origin game that I was at, it was sensational. The problem now, that's a pre-COVID world. In a post-COVID world, do you get the people yeah. saying, hey, I'll spend my money now and may not get it back and I'll buy a ticket and I'll buy the flights and I'll buy the accommodation. And, and that's the reasons why governments get involved, right? Yeah. They want to see a spend in their economy. It's just, from what I understand, the ticket sales in Melbourne weren't great. And it's totally understandable, right? Because you think, well, I'm going to wait till last minute because otherwise this might not be available, which is exactly the way that it's played out. So it, it's not an easy situation for the event organisers in the NRL and, of course, then for the governments who want to throw a bit of money behind it as well. I, don't, I wonder whether they've got their money from the Victorian government. They might have to hand it back. Who knows like what could happen, what sort of arrangement out of it. But I think if there's anything that could overcome this COVID time, it's the first game of a state of origin. It's it's huge, and people just love it all over Australia. Well, what about the Queenslanders last year? It was on the Tuesday before the Wednesday final game, and they went, oh, yeah, maximum crowds allowed. Yeah. <laughs> Straight back into Suncorp <laughs> Stadium. Too good. Too good. Right, Dino, who you got in your New South Wales squad, please? Uh, Timo, we'll get your 17 as well. Mate, uh, Tedesco, and it, I put big turbo on the wing. I think just to have his ability mm. of running that ball back as well, um, and, and Freddie's used him as a bit of a floater in the games that he's played anyway. I remember that Perth game, he was all over the park. So I'd definitely have him on the wing, which then gives us an opportunity to use Luttrell and Jack Whiten in the centres. I think yeah. Jackie Whiten, just uh, he's physical, he's made for state of origin. So be, And I think Luttrell come back with a big game today and get himself in there. Addo Carr obviously picks himself on, on, on the wing. Yep. Cody Walker, if he plays a great game tonight, um, just for his combination with Luttrell and with Damian Cook, yeah. even though people would argue that with Luai, with his combination with Cleary there as well. But I think, um, you know, I'd love to see Cody get another crack at it and, and do well. But the Rabbitohs, the way we've been going lately, is going to probably count against him. Um, and then Haas, Cook, Paulo, um, Pengai Jr., I think is uh, ready to, to come into the, the mix. Um, I'd like to see Fanukin in there as well. Yeah. I think he's a great player, um, Fanukin, and to have him in there made for Origin and Jakey Trebojevic there uh, to to lock to be the lock. I think he's um, he's got a boost with Manly over the last few weeks, and I think uh, 
can see him there. I'd love to see, you know, that's that's a 13 I'd like to see the Blues name. Okay. Timo, you've gone a bit differently. You're, you're a Jack Whiten into the sixth jersey, aren't you? Yeah, I am. Massive Jack Whiten fan. And I, I just think over the... The history of Origin, you've seen big five eights, and that's when Queen, uh, New South Wales have been successful. So I've gone, yeah, I've gone. Run to, through those list of the names of the big five eights that have been successful for New South Wales. Any Did, kick field goals? Daly, yeah. <laughs> Daly. Yeah. Uh, Fitler. Yeah. Barrett. Barrett. Yeah. Bird. Yeah. Anasta. Yes. Is there any others that you left out? Nah. Okay. <laughs> he, you know what he did the other day? He named himself. He did. He said he could name himself. Yeah, well, I borrowed the jersey for a while. I played 5'8". But, <laughs> no, nah, but they, they have always been successful. Like, as you said, like Fittler and um, Daly and Baz was a big 5'8". Yeah, he but, was. Bird yeah. played there for a while. Um, and they were always successful. They're not that that's the, the be-all and end-all. But I know there's the combination of uh, Cleary and Luai at the moment. You've got Cody Walker, but... I just think the Origin Arena would suit Jack White. He's a big ball runner. He's aggressive. You've got he can, he's got a left foot kick. You got him and Cleary could play on the other side. But that's what the selectors have got these uh, big jobs for. You could pick White and you could pick Luai. You could pick Cody Walker. And I don't think you'll go wrong. But it's just trying to come up with the right combination um, that's going to suit Origin and what they what game plan they want to play. Yeah, I remember last year I, I went and had lunch with Freddie and Joey just before just to talk about some of the stuff that I was doing with work. And it was just before Origin. They were talking about Origin, and they were asking me questions on. And I was just thinking, mate, what? Why would I answer to you two guys about who I'd have in there? We got two of the best rugby league minds going, trying to work out the team and the the, the game plan and everything that they go through. But uh, it is it's 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 a hard team to select. A lot of great players everywhere, but you know that's that's why these guys are there. They know yeah. their teams and what they want. But to their credit, they're asking you. And and you know one of the interesting things you can ask someone is why. You know, and, and Timo said it the other day. He said, I, I've got Luai as my 5'8", and I just think the New South Wales side saves two days of training because Cleary and Luai, they just know what they, what, what each other's doing. So they, they, they have no problem with that combination point of view. And then Timo said Jack White, and I'm like, why? And he goes, and he just went through all those things. Convinces you. Yeah, and you're like, you know what? I was dead against it previously, but I actually am open to it. But, I'm open to it. Yeah, now. and I suppose I spoke to Freddie last night, and he asked me. Like, so that's what must be hard for uh, the selectors. They they probably like getting different opinions off different mm. people that have played the game just to see what everyone's sort of thinking. But they do need to come up with their own solution on who they want. But there's like you could back either of them. You could say why you want Lua in there. Like he's a sort of erratic. He's got that combination with Cleary. They play together weekly. Yeah. And, yeah. Then you got Cody Walker as well. You could come up with a reason why, but that's just my reason why I like White. And I just know he's a big ball runner. He's uh, pretty physical. Um, he's got that left foot kick, and I just think at the uh, in that Origin level, it's not as they don't get as much sort of clean, clear ball as what you get in no. a normal NRL game. It's a pretty rough tumble, but. Um, anyway, we'll find out on Sunday night who they pick. Everyone's got to get through the weekend first. That's so. true. One thing I always is game one is always more physical. It sort of opens up a little bit. Game two, yeah. three, the combinations are working better. The teams have sort of worked each other out a little bit more. But yeah, the game one is you don't see a lot of football, do you? It's it's just a big physical battle and bash around, and then there's one or two key moments in the game that it comes down to. And I think uh, that will play on Freddie's mind as he goes to select this team is – who can handle the physicality, and then if that one or two moments present, because uh, you, you very rarely see any blowouts in game one. It's, no. uh, even if there's a team big favourites, it's always a sort of bash 
Clash affair. Well, you look at that game or the series last year, the, the game in Adelaide, New South Wales led at half time by 10 points and then Queensland end up winning that game by a couple of points, which was crucial. New South Wales, Cam Munster gets injured for second minute of the game and they, they win it comfortably. So aggregate score in the series last year, New South Wales won by about 18 points. Mm. But they lost two games, and, and and that's the difference. I, I want to ask you about Tevita Pangai. I, I had him in my side on Thursday before the game. After the game, after I watched Tevita Pangai play and I watched Dalfa Nukin play, I switched him around because of the reasons you talk about with game one. You can't be throwing the passes and think you're going to pass your way out of it, whereas Dalfa Nukin just went, right, everything that moves I'm going to tackle, and when I have to carry the ball, I'll carry it strongly. Yeah, and I think, look, just looking from origin, you, you're probably never, ever going to see a player in that first game showcase the, the top of their skills. But yeah. what you will see is their work ethic and their toughness, all that on show every play. And Finucane, he plays that way week in, week out, doesn't yeah. he? And I think Penguai Jr. for me is a talent that's got to be exposed to origin, developed in origin arena. Um, and then go back and, and, and people work with him on his career, taking that next step, and he's going to be dynamic. But um, I, I think he's got to be in there somewhere. I think having the right people around him and then someone like Fanukin is just, I, I feel at the moment, for what the Blues need, he's one of the perfect fixes. He, he's a massive footy head, apparently, Tevita Pangai. Loves his footy, has challenged, like, when you think about a couple of years ago when he and Tao Malolo went head-to-head, um, a couple of weeks ago he went head-to-head with Billy Army Kikau on that Thursday night game, yep. got the better of him, said, hey, I want to be switched over to the other side. I want to take on Dave Fafida mm. in the game against the Gold Coast. So he's all like really he, to challenge himself, but you know, he just didn't quite get it right on Thursday night. Yeah, well, he's got that physical presence about him. He wants to come out of the line and whack someone, but what we seen the other night, it was a little bit, as you said, it was like he was running to pass all the time and he was going in and just looking. He was throwing them out the back where that's probably a part of the game he needs to improve. But you get him in that arena and it's only going to make him a better player. He'll learn around these other good players. But whether you find a spot for him in this first side or not, I don't know. But at some stage, I reckon we'll see him play Origin. I reckon it'd suit his type of style. But just watching his game the other night, he, he just needs to think, run. Yeah. Not, not pass or run first, and then if he can get his offload. But, yeah, it oh, would be quite exciting to see in a, in a Blues jersey um, at some stage. We may see him in, throughout the series as we see there's injuries and suspensions going on galore. So uh, I'm sure we might see him there at some stage in this series. He's only 25 too. Yeah, only young. Big future ahead of him. I think, uh, you know, Freddie and uh, the way Freddie is, I think would be perfect man for, for yeah. his career right now. I remember when Gus was coaching Fletch. At oh, the Roosters, Ryan. Ryan. Right. So, I don't Ryan. know whether he ever said it to you, Duna, because you you were a ball player. But in the Fletch would just throw balls anywhere and everywhere, right? When he was when he's coming through in reserve grade, and and you know some of them stuck, and if they didn't, that's nah, all right. Fletch was fine about that. But I think Gus used to say to him, right, you have to run for a hundred meters before you can pass the ball. Uh, when he got up in, into the NRL. It's a little bit like that with Tavita, isn't it? Like, yeah, mate, you've got to do this and then start thinking about. What's happening well, that's yeah, that's some players' problem. Sometimes that's what they all they're, they're thinking offload first before they run, and uh, sometimes it can come back to hurt you. They, you, you turn the ball over, and it, it happened. It sort of went against him the other night to Peng, to Pengai, but we've seen what he's done in the past. Where he yeah. likes to challenge these, and he goes after the big boppers too. Yeah. In the other side, I think it was Clamour. I remember him saying a year or two ago, he goes after the big dog in the other side and wants to try and intimidate mm. him. So. I'm sure it'd be, uh, yeah, he'd be up for it if he if he did get selected.
Were you allowed to pass, Dino, at the Roosters? Uh, I think I did nothing but pass. <laughs> <I think>. <laughs> 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 nothing but pass. <laughs> yeah, uh, the old hundred yards. I don't know if I got the, too many of them up, uh, many times, but no, I think it, it is important. Like even even as a ball player, um, your number one job is to run and yeah. to challenge with running and. If you've got an aggressive running game or you've got some footwork and something, well, it makes your passing game more potent, you know. Yeah. And I think for Pengai Jr., that's that's one thing he needs to do. And I, uh, I think going into Origin game for him, because I think he will be there somewhere, he's just got to keep his game as simple as he can be and yeah. be that dangerous runner. Because defenders wouldn't like to take him on with his with his head full of steam and, and running aggressively because he's, he's such a good mover. What about this Queensland side? If we look uh, quickly at their key players, Ponga, question mark, Munster, question mark, DCE, no problem, Grant, question mark. Let's not doubt them because this yeah, is what I they know, love doing. I know. They love it, they they love love it when we sit here and we start going question mark and <laughs> is this guy up to it and stuff like that. Oh, no, I'm only question mark of injury because yeah. oh, they're their gun play. They Munster. play games. They play yeah. games this time of year. Yeah, I reckon Munster's it. down there 100% and <laughs> someone's gotten into his ear and said, look, just ease up. He was in that good of a form and yeah. Cherry Evans was outstanding and, yeah. and you know what I mean? So they got all the players that – that can kill you. AJ Brimson's another one in yes. Queensland. Is is outstanding player. Big Tino, Dave Fafita, like they've got the artillery there in Queensland, and it can't be written off. And I think it's it's going to be an exciting series. Do you remember Tino's dad being at the Roosters? Tino's dad. Tino's dad, Ferretti Fasua. Ferretti, because yes. he didn't he didn't say uh, his full surname. I don't know yeah. why, but Fasua Malaawi. And guess who recruited him? Hardy. Arthur Beaton. Yes, he had them all back yeah. then. We had, yeah. more, we had more darkies than white fellas. And we used to, <laughs> we used to play touch footy games and we'd have to give you a few players because you didn't have enough. That's how many, that's how many oh, we had. Oh, dear. Good times. Good times. And by the way, um, Cam Munster last year, when he before that State of Origin series, he said, I want to have an impact like uh, like a Darren Lockyer or a Wally Lewis. And I thought, oh, jeez. Two of the greatest players of all time that grace the Origin arena. And then come the end of the series – player of the series. Yeah, it was unbelievable. That, and that's the thing. Look at the, the side Queensland picked last year. It was like, you looked at it on paper, it was a yeah. third string side. Yeah. And it, that's what all the talk was. New South Wales on paper had the better side. And we've seen what the Queensland do. That's what they do. They they love that. The back's against the wall. They come out. It's always us against them. And yeah. they're the underdogs. But they've got some quality players to pick from too this year for this series. Yeah. They're very, very sneaky Queenslanders. You just need to be... Very careful of them, right? Uh, by the way, you're you're watching footy up here, so you you got the league on here, Dino. You have got the NBA going on over here. Luka Doncic is going well for the Mavs. Uh, what is he? The, he's he's the fifth highest scorer in his first nine playoff games. I think number two was Michael Jordan. They just flashed up a graphic there. Who's your team in the NBA? The Lakers, mate. Yeah, so and they're doing all right too in, in the series against Phoenix. So. Um, but like I said to you earlier, mate, this is this is a dream. You can just come in here and there's blokes bringing you drinks in, in here and stuff like that. You just sit back and relax. I, I love it. So no wonder you love being here every Saturday, Saturday morning. Uh, it's fantastic. Even Brooksy's uh, quite uh, okay at this time of day too. So it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, it usually takes him a while to warm up, but no, he's going all right today. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. 1170 That is the open line number. The text line zero four five seven. 736-736. Dave Riccio coming up very shortly too. And we want you, Timo, to tell us what happened to the Dragons. You, you were very bullish on Thursday evening. What happened there Don't last talk night? talk to me. All right, okay. Was... All right. It's a little bit of a sore point. Yeah, it was disappointing. We might have to coax him in the ad break, Dino, uh, about that. This is Crunch Time brought to you by Isuzu, the three-litre Isuzu D-Max, and, of course, Red Rooster Spicy Wings, the Rooster's Calling. We'll take a break. We'll be back with more. 
Welcome back to the program. Yeah, it is crunch time. It's all thanks to Red Rooster's new spicy wings. Feel the peppery tingle. Limited time, so get in fast. And the rooster's calling. And Isuzu, the three-letter Isuzu D-Max, born to live. Dave Riccio from the Daily Telegraph coming up very shortly. There's so much going on as well. So we were going to go through, uh, just have a look at the scores over the course of the first three games of round 12. Last night, the West Tigers 34-18 against... The <coughs> Dragons. Um, Cowboys 29-28 over the Warriors in a thriller. Boys, only this game in, involving the Warriors could be Warriors led 6-0, Cowboys led 22-6, then Warriors scored 22 unanswered points, they lead 28-22, then late try to the Cowboys, then Chanel Harris-Tavita has an opportunity to get the game with the field goal, misses marginally, and then Valentine Holmes kicks a ball from 40 metres out that sails over the crossbar. Phenomenal game of footy. Yeah, well, I, I didn't get to see it last night because obviously I was out watching uh, the Dragons-Tigers. But, yeah, it sounded like an uh, exciting game. And Valentine Holmes, he, he slotted a field goal a couple of weeks ago too, I think, to get a win. But He's kicked six field goals in his career. All of them have been match winning. He's made for the big moment, isn't he? And isn't he? he comes in and... He, he's, he's one of those players that's got massive X factor about him. And he's, I think he's warming up to being back yeah. at his best. Um, and the Warriors, like you said, it's it's rocks and diamonds. They continue. And I'll, Nathan Brown over there, be, um, they must be exciting team. Some days you'd sit there and watch your team play and just love what they're doing out there. But then they'd be in the same game. You'd sit there and go, what what are we doing out here? They led by six points and Lisa Armour with a minute 29 remaining, or might have been two minutes remaining on the clock. It's trying to offload in the 50-meter line. It's like, no. <laughs> anyway, a thrilling I s- finish. I've seen a couple of the highlights. I think it was Reese Walsh. Did he oh. a, uh, he's a, such an exciting talent. I think I've seen the try he scored, but... He, uh, yeah, he's going to be a, a nice fill in there for Roger for RTS when he leaves. But he, he's a real talent, Reese Walsh, and that try that I, yeah, as I said, I only seen the highlight. But the pace and footwork he's got for a young bloke. So the broader question around Reese Walsh, well, there's a couple of them, I think, and and the first of them is is this: Could he be in a Queensland extended squad, even in a seventeen, for a State of Origin series this year? I think definitely, and I think Queensland have shown in the past that they're willing to take those selection gambles. I, I think they've picked players that are younger, more unknown, and more untested yeah. than what uh, Reese Walsh is. So I wouldn't be surprised if Queensland do it. And the other thing to it is, I wouldn't su- be surprised if he goes out there and is sensational because this is what Queensland do. He's 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 um, unfazed by everything. Like nothing actually concerns him for the eighteen-year-old. Like to be screaming for the ball. When you're 18, when you've got all these other senior players in your team. And and the try that he scored last night was an awareness thing. Then it was a speed thing. Then it became a desire thing. Because Hylam Lukey just came from nowhere. Great speed from the back rower too, by the way. And, and, and to drag him back so violently. And yet his determination to get that ball down was just an insight into who he is as a person, I think. And the try that he set up when he beat Drinkwater, he, he just stepped around him yeah. as well. And so he's got all those skills and attributes. Uh, but, yeah, last night you saw that determination, yeah. that will, that, that confidence. You don't score tries like that unless you sort of got that belief behind yourself. The second part of that question around Reese Walsh takes us to Thursday night. The Storm 40-12 to 12 over the Broncos. They now have the longest winning streak at Suncorp Stadium, the Melbourne Storm. Well, it's just phenomenal what they do up there. The last time the Broncos beat them was 2016. But that was in Melbourne. And the last time they beat them at Suncorp Stadium 
was in March of 2009, and Darren Lockyer was playing for the Broncos. <laughs> like, that's how dominant they are. But how, how if in the space of six games at the Warriors, has Reese Walsh has shown the rugby league world how good a play he is, and yet he was there in the Broncos system for four years, and they couldn't see that. I have no answers to that, and it's something that's so un-Bronco-like. Like yeah. they, for years, they held on to their talented players. They knew who the good ones were. Um, they just had this knack of being able to develop good young players. Yeah. And I'm not sure what's going on up there at the Broncos, but it's it's a it's a, it's a become a bit of a pattern now that they're losing these players, and someone up there has got to answer for losing Reese Walsh. Yeah. yeah, over the part they just haven't, Jimmy. They haven't lost them type of players, and someone like Reese Walsh, what? For, for a kid to come into NRL, normally you see him, it takes a while for him to get going or you start seeing him. He's, he's gone bang from yes. word go. He's like carving up sides at the moment. So for a kid that's at age 18, to be doing that, that already early in his NRL career, he's going to be one of them special talents that we see come along. But the Brisbane Broncos, or poor old Kevin Walters must be sitting there going, what's happened? Like, yeah. Why are, these, why, 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 why are we yeah. losing? Like They've lost Xavier Coates now. They've lost... Yes, Reese Walsh, and they're, they're letting Dearden and all these types of players go. It's just, and they're crying out for players like that. Yes. So yeah, I, yes. I, I'm not sure what's happened, but Reese Walsh, when you're putting someone like Roger out of his position at fullback at the moment, your first couple of games, it's it's saying something. So he's going to be a yeah. I think I think he'll be one of them players that the Broncos look back and go, he hurt us. Yeah. Yeah, take your thoughts on that one. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. The text line zero four five seven seven three six seven three six. Lots of news about, as we've mentioned. Time to check in with the Daily Telegraph's number one rugby league reporter. His name's Dave Rickow. He's on the line. G'day, Dave. Good afternoon, Jimmy. Hey, uh, Dave, are you as nervous as Brad Freddie Fittler with all these potential blues <laughs> in action today? I see the yarn you're right today. It's it's um, it's one thing injuries, which is what you know representative coaches have always been concerned about but now over the course of the last three weeks we're worried about suspension more and more Dave well absolutely Jimmy and, and you've got to it's unprecedented really that the um the shortness of the Freddie Fittler's fingernails because <laughs> he will have chewed them down boys I promise you by the end of this evening because we know how it's unfolded over the past couple of weeks you know one by one the dominoes have fallen in key positions. Now, they are clinging to the fitness levels of Payne Haas. It was originally feared that Payne uh, would be an immediate scratching from the New South Wales calculations, but I understand he remains an outside chance of being still named in that Blues squad, Payne Haas. He would have been an automatic selection in the front row, yeah. and they may still pick him and just hope that he gets through, uh, gets through the week of training. But as for this evening, Jimmy three games, at least 20 candidates that Oof. Freddie Fittler has penciled into his squad are running round and anything could happen. Davis Sestino, where is he, mate? Um, the South players, and obviously a, f- a few weeks ago, we would have had a lot of South players right in contention yeah. and, and, and sure to be in this team. Their form dip recently, do you think that puts a lot of spotlight on some of their players coming into today's game against Parramatta? And also the Parramatta oh, players. I certainly do. Yeah. Yeah, certainly, Dino. I, c- I couldn't agree more. The dip in form is alarming and concerning. Uh, and Freddie Fittler has a... He, he takes players on trust, but to a point. Uh, he believes confidence is a major factor when selecting representative players. And um, yes, players like Damian Cook and Latrell Mitchell, I believe they'll be automatic selections for the New South Wales Blues. 
But Cody Walker, Adam Reynolds, as you know, obviously not going to get past Nathan Cleary. Um, it hurts them. It, it it really does. And I, I think I think Cook will just get there on reputation and what he has achieved in the past. I know that um, Brad Fittler and certainly Greg Alexander, the New South Wales Chief Advisor, um, really love what Damien Cook brings to the table within the group. Uh, and I mean through that camp process. And then the other one, Dean, is is Cameron Murray, yep. who really needs a solid hit out um, this afternoon against mm. the Parramatta Reels, just to wash his selection. I think he'll be a certainty, certainty to be chosen. The, the catch is where either he plays lock forward for the Blues or out on an edge because that's where New South Wales are looking pretty thin at the moment. Mm. Yeah, Dave, Sean Timmons here. I was just wondering, that the number 14 position, it looked like Ryan Pappenhausen was probably going to be the obvious choice there, but with that concussion, mm. bad concussion, he had the magic round weekend. Where, where do you think uh, the selectors are going to be looking for that sort of utility player come the bench? Yeah, Tim, I spot. I, I couldn't agree more that Pappenhausen was going to be that man, and it has left the Blues in some type of, um, you know, some type of dilemma as far as what you do with that number fourteen. Look, I believe personally it'll be Jerome Luai. I think Jack White will will uh, be named at five eight for New South Wales. Wow! I think they learn a lot uh, from last year and not having that uh, that big uh, bigger uh, five eight, that hard running mobile six. And with Jack Whiten's booming left foot option, left foot kick, that's another uh, key ingredient to his. I think he'll get the six jumper for the Blues. And that'll just leave Jerome Luai as the potential 14. Now, what I mean by that is that if there was to be an injury anywhere, basically, in the Blues, Jack Whiten can plug that hole. Yeah. And on would come Jerome Luai into the halves. Whiten can play centre uh, in the halves, back row, bit of lock. He can do. He can play almost any position, and then Jerome Luai uh, could play that six. I have asked Penrith as well, boys. As far as has Jerome Luai had experience at dummy half, and indeed he has. Uh, when James Maloney was holding down the Panthers six jersey, that was where Luai started his uh, entry to first grade off the bench and playing a little bit of dummy half. So he has played there before. Is there a bolter, Dave? Oh, look, Jimmy. I don't think so. Um, look, I think, you know, is a debutant a bolter? And what I mean by that, if Liam Martin grabs a jersey, do you, do you guys foresee him, him as a bolter? Because yeah. I think he's right in the frame. Um, I think Brian Tot, oh, well, you know, he's right in the frame to potentially make his debut. Is he a bolter? I would argue no, these guys aren't. They've, they've really put their case forward over the past couple of seasons. And if selected, would deserve it. I just don't see anyone coming from the clouds. Uh, as a smoky, if you wanted to toss one up and keep an eye on this evening, Sean Lane, guys. As I said, um, really thin in the back row are the Blues, and, and they are looking at different options. And Sean's, Sean Lane's name has been mentioned. So if, if the dominoes fell tonight, um, uh, Lane could be the bolter. Yeah, right. Uh, if Liam Martin does get the start, uh, Tamora Dragon, of course, uh, hometown of Toddy Payton, uh, Trent Barrett, uh, plenty more as well. There'd be a great yarn for his mum, Maxine, and his late brother, Jared, of course, uh, providing inspiration and motivation for Liam. I reckon he'd be right at home at state of origin level. The other uh, yarn you've written in today's paper was a fascinating one, mate, and talking about Jacob Arthur and, and Brad Arthur and reaching out and speaking to Ivan Cleary. It, it's amazing to think that 
There is a first-grade coach, and yet he's watching his team run around, and all he can see is his 18-year-old son. It's a, it's a great insight, Dave. Yeah, Jimmy, it was interesting in... You know, and even Brad Arthur admitted how unique it was. Until you're in those shoes, you can probably you probably can't relate. And it's interesting to listen to these fathers that have debuted their sons and or are co- or are coaching their sons in the NRL. And that is obviously Ivan Cleary and Nathan Cleary and Brad Arthur and Jake Arthur and previously to that Shane Flanagan with Cole Flanagan. And yeah, um, uh. it was an interesting insight from Brad that. And I actually thought it was um, full credit to Ivan Cleary. Here you have two arch-rival clubs to arch-rival coaches. And Brad needed a little bit of reassurance from someone who has been there and done that. And that he so he picked up the phone to Ivan Cleary and said, mate, how do I handle this? How, yeah. do, I, how do I ensure that the team is humming and, and take my eyes off my son, so to speak, and um, ensure that, you know, I'm not only seeing my son play and, and I'm looking after the team. And Ivan was quite... Um, yeah, you know, he gave me some great advice, and Brad, I know, was seriously appreciative of it. Um, yeah, it was a really interesting insight from what I believe, guys, that the debut, the debut of Jake Arthur, the feel-good story of the year so far. Just pretty special um, that moment two weeks ago in Magic Round when he was able to score that try. Yeah, yeah, he, he done really well in his debut, and he's a great young player. But the the interesting one will be is when Dylan Brown comes back. Yeah. And when he had, yep. does have to make a decision, does he stick with the <laughs> stick with his son or does he <laughs> yeah. put Dylan Brown in? But that that's probably when it will get hard for him, and uh, it'll be a uh, it'll be a difficult difficult decision for him to make then. Dean, it was quite interesting, um, and I, I this again credit to Brad Arthur. He he was quite frank. He actually said that's Dylan Brown's number six jersey. Jake's t- Jake's merely just. Uh, uh, taking an opportunity, but he'll go back to reserve grade. He'll go back to New South Wales Cup and continue to play his trade there. And Dylan Brown, who returns from suspension next week, will will slot straight back into the Eels' halves alongside Mitchell Moses. Yeah, there's one thing selecting your son. There's another one dropping him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry, mate. You're yeah. not up to it. Anyway, I'll see you at home. <laughs> yeah, knock, knock on the bedroom door, mate. I've got some news for you. Get home and mow the lawns. You might get back in. Yeah. I, th- I think you have a look at it with Kyle Flanagan, what we saw just a few weeks ago yeah. with the father and and that relationship, this is still their sons, you know, and they go yeah. through the ups and the downs with them. And we we definitely saw that played out, how emotional that, that relationship is between a father and a son. So really difficult for them to manage. But I, I look at both those coaches and, and what they've done with their sons. It's a reflection on their coaching style and the, the, what they've built with their players, yes. that they trust their sons to be looked after by this group of men because they feel that these are the right men to have around them. I think that's that's a key pointer for me on both Brad Arthur and uh, Cleary, what they've been doing at their clubs is they're building great blokes and the, the great blokes that they know, they want around their young sons themselves. Yeah. Uh, Dave, uh, thank you for your time this afternoon. We do appreciate it. Great yarn, as I said, on that uh, and uh, Jacob Arthur and, and his uh, father, Brad, the Parramatta Eels coach. He'll be running around in that number six jersey this afternoon against the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Have a great afternoon, mate, and we'll look forward to chatting in the future. Likewise, boys. Anytime. Da- Dave Riccio there from the Daily Telegraph. This is uh, crunch time. There's another race about to jump. So you know what we do? I'll tell you what we do. We go to an ad break now. We get to watch the race, Timo. Uh, it's all thanks to Isuzu, uh, the three-litre Isuzu D-Max and Red Rooster uh, Spicy Wings, the Rooster's Calling. So we'll take a break. We'll be back. We'll try and find out. We, we, we want to get from Sean Timmons just exactly what on, went on with those dragons last night. He's not coming forward <laughs> with much at this point. 
Yeah, welcome back to the program. Six gun more like a pop gun out there at Greenwick at the moment. Anyway, uh, not distracted at all. Uh, crunch time, thanks to Red Rooster. Red Rooster's new spicy wings. Feel the peppery tingle for a limited time. So get in fast. The rooster's calling. And Isuzu, the three-letter Isuzu. D-Max, born to live. Special guest today, Sean Timmons. Dean Witters. Uh, we've got uh, gearing up and Saturday standouts. You can scratch pop gun off that one. Six gun. Uh, anyway, um, before we get to that, come on, Timo. What happened last night, mate? 18 points to nil at one point. 18-6, I thought, oh, you might be getting back into the game. And then it just fell away even more. Yeah, the Tigers come out and, uh, yeah, they put them a couple of early tries on and it hurt us. We just turned over too much ball. We just couldn't complete our, complete our sets and done too much tackling. And I think, uh, there was some inexperience in our side, but you had got to give Tigers credit. They they uh, they come ready to play, and uh, as I said, we I think we done double the tackles and yeah. the name made in the first half, and, and and we just couldn't handle it. And South, and South scored some good tries, but every side goes through injuries and suspensions. We've got plenty at the moment, so you can't use that as an excuse. Whoever you put in there and put on the park, you you got to be ready to go. But uh, yeah. Full credit to uh, the Tigers. They, they were just too good last night. We turned up. We were a little bit flat. Uh, we let them score them early points, and, and we couldn't get ourselves back. Right after half time. I think it was 18-6, we were attacking their line, and we're starting to look like we're gaining momentum, but I think Alvaro may have dropped the ball over the line where it could have gone to 18-12. That could have been a bit of a game changer, yeah. but it wasn't to be, and they just out-enthused us in the end. Yeah, they looked good, the Tigers, last night. I, I thought they... They're looking to get that combination because Dewey's been outstanding for them all year. And I yes. thought when they moved him from 5'8", I was like, is this going to work? But he seems to be just a footballer. No matter where you yep. put him in the team, he he lives for it. And I think James Roberts looked like a bit of a spring in his step last night, getting back to his best, looking you know dangerous out wide. Is he a winger? Um, I think maybe in this Tigers team, maybe he is. I don't, yeah. think, I don't think he's a, a centre uh, in the form that he's displayed so far this year. But I think... The wing could be his place. Uh, at the way this Tigers team plays, to have him on that wing uh, could be where 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 he gives them that weapon. The thing about Dane Laurie too, he could be playing in this game that we're watching here, the knock-on effect cup, if he didn't secure that release to the West Tigers. And now he's he's look, he's probably not going to win the Dallium Rookie of the Year, but geez, going to go close. And if he was a eighty thousand dollar player last year or, or coming up for this year, next year he's quadrupled that. He he was good. He was really he's been impressive all year, but last yeah. night he was really impressive. He's not the biggest body, but I watched him there last night. At times he was coming back, bringing the ball back, and he was like he was nearly busting through our line. Like he had defense wasn't great, but he's got some real talent. He's got speed and they had a big Luciano out on the right edge. He was a handful yes. handful for us. We know he is a, a ball player, but he's a big powerful thing and if you don't defend well on him he can cause some uh, havoc and he did that last night. One from your last seven, the win was over the Bulldogs. Yeah. Um, Jack DeBellin plays in nine minutes' time. Yep. How long do you think before Anthony Griffin says, yeah, get in there? Well, it'll be interesting. He'll play today. Um, I'd say you'll, you'll probably only play 40 or 50 minutes, but depending on how he gets through that, I suppose that's the coach's call. But that people say he's been out of the game for a couple of years, which he has. The game's changed. But Jack's actually trained for two and a half years. He's yes. not coming off the back of an injury. He's yes. been, he's trained, he's kept him, he's kept himself very fit. So it'll be timing and 
uh, getting his footy match fitness up. But he'll get through today, and I'm sure there'll be a decision made next week. But we do have uh, some injuries, so who knows? Hopefully he plays well, and it's just good to see him back on the field today. All right, boys, uh, what are we gearing up for today? Gear up for the game thanks to Dometic. Everything you need for adventures, big or small, mobile living made easy. Dometic, I'll go to you first, Dino. Uh, the Paris South game. Hey. Orig- Freddie will be out there watching this one. You've got <laughs> Gutherson, Ferguson, Reed Mahoney for Queensland. Another yes. one he's going to throw. Um, Madison, you know, we had him in the, in the New South Wales squad last year. He, big game could get him in there. Nathan Brown, Paulo, all from Parramatta. Then obviously eyes on Latrell Mitchell, uh, Damian Cook, Cameron Murray, Cody Walker. Um, some of these players, Adam Reynolds, if anything does happen to Cleary. So there's a lot of players there that Freddie will be watching today. And I think this is a, a real origin trial it is in this in this yeah. round of this competition um and it'd be interesting to see how it all goes there and, and south sydney need a massive game and i think their players will know that so it'd be all on the line out there timo well i've picked the same game but mine's mine's just going to be see how the bunnies hit back they've had two 50 point hidings the past couple of weeks we yes. call i think me myself and you and finchie called it yeah. you know, a couple of weeks ago against melbourne then we seen last week penrith put them to the sword so it's going to be how they hit back. Wayne Bennett's made a couple of changes, but you hear the stat about no sides won a comp after being beat uh, by 50 points, and they've been beat twice now. Yeah. It's just going to be interesting to see how they bounce back because we've seen at the start of the year, I remember them playing uh, the Dragons in the Charity Shield, and mate, they looked their roster they got, and when they turn it on, they, they, they can play some great footy. So, yeah, looking forward to seeing how they, the – they uh, the Rabbitohs bounce back. Uh, Roosters Raiders for me. Sam Walker out. So Sam Walker and Sam Williams don't go head to head. That's disappointing. Uh, of course, Sam Williams is there because George Williams left the club. So what's going on there down at the Raiders? We want to see how they respond. Jack White and he needs a big game as well. And given the fact that uh, Joe Manu is going into the halves, that means I'd say Joe Suwali will play his second NRL game. What about your Saturday standouts? Well, oh, by the way, that was gearing up for Dometic. Your Saturday standouts, boys, brought to you by the powerful three-liter turbo diesel Isuzu D-Max. No matter the adventure, the Isuzu D-Max is born to live. Timo, you got one for us? The Saturday standouts. Yeah. I, well, I was just talking about the South game, but um, yeah, I, I think just the Origin selection. There's going to be guys. It's going to be interesting to see how these guys that are know they're in ori- Origin contention. Uh, go out and play this weekend because there's so much of a risk with them uh, susp- suspensions and, and to be able to clock someone a little high, they're, they're copping uh, a couple of weeks on the sideline. So uh, it's going to be yeah interesting to see if some of these players go back and go out, whether they're going to hold themselves back a little bit, just to, they're worried about getting themselves uh, suspended. So hopefully we'll go out and see these blokes not do it, just go out yeah. and play, play, play some great tough footy. But, yeah, there's going to be – I reckon there'll be Freddie – Freddie will be nervous about some, seeing some of his key men, hopefully not on the sideline. So looking forward to that. Dino? Yeah, I'd have to agree there. But I think there's just so many origin spots up for grabs on the last weekend of selections that, you know, Penrith, all their players will be looking for big performances. The South Parramatta guys, Whiten at Canberra. There's so many things that the, I think the guys will be going out and we'll see some ripper ripper games from some of the big uh, big name origin players in contention tonight. All right. Uh, well, for me, the Saturday standout at Eagle Farm, race five, number two. You've got three minutes to get on, Timo. Um, LaDon DeVee, LaDon DeVee, about $3.50. Right. So there, there, there's my Saturday standout. So, <laughs> hey, Dino, that's it. How easy is this, mate? Time flew, mate. Just watch sports. We can do this every weekend. <laughs> You'll be here for the next couple of hours <laughs> yeah. just hanging out, watching the sport. Uh, yeah, all the sport coming up. We've got... Uh, uh, NRL Nation, of course, uh, covering this game. The Panthers 
and the Bulldogs. Uh, big day for the Bulldogs. They really do need to turn up for their themselves, their coach, and, of course, their supporters. Big thank you to Dino for coming in uh, and all the team here, Brooksy, uh, Al, as well on Crunch Time. Okay, after Crunch Time, we're back. We're calling NRL Nation, and it's the Panthers against the Bulldogs. Stick around. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 21 91.